0: Hi, everyone. David here from the Real Sports Science Podcast. And we are so excited to bring you episode three, where we're going to dive in to talk about how to create a successful, sustainable, and supportive sporting culture and environment. Matt and I are going to chat about our experiences and some of the reading that we've been doing this week on this topic. So come along. We're so excited that you're here. We hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's get going. Welcome, everybody. This is episode three of the RSS podcast. I'm David. He's Matt. Let's go. There
1: you go. That's episode three we're starting off with. Um, Yeah, we just wanted to start off by saying thank you to everyone for listening to episode one that was recently gone live and then also episode two hey David
0: yeah big news of this week is the first one dropped Tuesday have got a few listeners already we're really excited about that just see where it goes hopefully you guys are enjoying it
1: and then I guess like the big big thing from this podcast admin wise is um, we're going to be creating an email so that all of right. you guys can uh, just start telling us like giving us some feedback so we'd love to hear from all of you We'd like to hear what you like, ideas for some of the topics that we talk about, ideas to even make the podcast better, even just to hear that you guys are actually listening to the podcast as well. Um, and we, we'd love to interact with all of you lot.
0: Absolutely. That's the biggest thing. We just want to hear anything, really, if it's bad, good, even if you're just listening where you're listening from, you know, we can maybe give shout outs once we get our first one. Oh, <clears throat> imagine our that. First, man. I listen to the podcast uh, DM that we get. We'll share that on the pod. That'd be exciting the podcast is going to a little
1: different today. Matt, what what's going on? I'll tell you what. We went from having one mic that didn't really work, uh then getting two mics and it just being really good and now we've just split. So I've sadly <laughs> just finished uh, my master well I haven't finished my master's course, but um I've I've got no reason to be in Loughborough, so I've just I'm finishing my dissertation back at home where I'll be for the next year. Um, Working-wise, uh, so yeah, so I've moved back. It's been a long old drive back, a long process trying to unpack everything and get everything back in order. Um, and yeah, it was it was sad. It was sad to see Loughborough, go, even though I only spent a year there. I wish I spent. Well, the majority of my time at university there, because it, it, it was an amazing place, and it was a bit sad to say bye to power Base as well. Um, how about you? How was how was the past week being for you, weekend wise? Yeah,
0: the weekend was good. When you asked me what I was doing on the weekend, I said nothing, and I totally forgot. I actually had a crossfit competition. Nothing super serious. Um, it's just the crossfit box that I uh, train at BFG down in Leicester. Uh, they just do twice a year. Uh, kind of in house comp, so it's teams. It's chill. It's chill, but then you still go hard. Uh, So the teams just get picked out of a hat and then that's your team for the day. It's for four workouts, there was. Yeah, four workouts and uh, winner takes all. So that was really fun. What
1: what What place did you come,
0: by the way? If you don't mind me asking.
1: (laughs) No big deal. Came second place. Got the second place banner. There it is. There it is. Pin it on the little podcast room. Pin it in the office. Big result. Big
0: result at the summer throwdown bfg summer throwdown so that was really exciting
1: can you give us an example of a a challenge that you had to do one of the
0: one of the workouts yeah yeah yeah. um sure let me see okay the first one is actually interesting that was savage um so it was in two parts uh each person each so there's three teammates the all three teammates had two minutes each to get a max clean um so it could be either a squat clean or a power clean didn't matter it just had to get up and then and then once all of you finish then each of you had 1 minute and you put on whatever weight you want on the bar and you do that weight as a clean as many times as possible in 1 minute and then your score is for that section so the first section obviously your score is just of how much you did for your 1RM for your clean for your second one it's total weight lifted so say you you lift you put 60 kilos on the bar and you're able in the 1 minute to do that 10 times 600 kilos that's your score so if you go too light you know it's not great but if you go too heavy say if you did 100 kilos but you could only do that three times yeah it's only 300 so Uh, so i did i put 60 kilos on the bar uh, there you go to manage to do it 21 times in the minute (laughs) it was gross wait wait really
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah Jeez, that's pretty good that is Wow. Yeah. So it's just touch and go. Like you'd get it on, get it wrapped, put it down, boom, right. Nice. There you just go, that's try why. to
1: go as fast as possible. Probably why you got second place then.
0: Jeez. I did not expect it either. We, were, we were, they were like, yeah, let's come around. We're gonna uh, name top three. I was like, maybe we snuck into like third place, and they called third place wasn't us. I was like, ah, dang, too bad. Oh well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then second place team thirteen. Woo, <laughs> us. Let's go that's awesome yeah. that's a good weekend it was really then. fun you, you came yeah, back yeah, with some weekend. silverware some si- <laughs> people who listen to the first pod know yeah. what we're Little talking inside about
1: inside joke one for the family inside joke
0: inside joke for the fam <laughs> yeah for the podcast fam yeah it was really fun and then monday i had uh, a meeting with my phd supervisor so that was that one really good we're just talking about kind of areas where we could maybe start and then yeah Tuesday I had a meeting with the head physiologist at British Athletics who I'll be in contact with a lot as well over my three years Uh, so just had a chat to him as well about the opportunities within British Athletics so I'm really really excited for that honestly so stoked to come back from Canada
1: and get that going in October yeah now that's going to be amazing a little different today Uh, where do you want to do you want to take that line
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So usually we kind of go topic of the day first, but today I'm so excited about this podcast. Yeah, it should be a good one. I've been been doing some reading on this. So the name of it is creating a successful, sustainable, supportive sporting environment slash culture. So how do you do that? Um, And this question came up out of... uh, just talking to you in the first podcast really about you're talking about building relationships and just different cultures. And then I just had some questions on that and and this is what it came out of. So I'm really excited to get into that. So what we're going to do actually is we're going to open up uh, with, with jobs of the week, and then we're going to dive right into that topic. And what we've done is we've done a bit of reading on this. So it's, we're actually our, the topic and, the paper of the day or paper of the week is just, we're kind of molding that into one.
1: Yeah. Um, we thought it was a pretty big topic. So we thought we'd give it sort of everything, really make it the sort, uh, make it the main part of this podcast. Um, cause yeah. it is, it is a very interesting topic and it's extremely prevalent nowadays because at the end of it, hopefully we get near to an answer, but you know, I don't think there is a final answer, which you you will find out at the end of this podcast
0: i'm really excited to talk about this because even if no one listens to it um i've learned so much just reading some papers so i mean hopefully people listen to it and hopefully people really enjoy it but at the end of the day if if they don't or if they don't listen i think it'll it'll make me what i've learned will make me a better practitioner which is it makes it worth it no matter what happens
1: yeah i mean i mean you get a lot to gain uh from it so like exactly anything you can gain in the constant learning it's amazing
0: let's let's jump in how to create a successful, sustainable, supportive sporting culture, sporting environment? We started off. Well, I, I we, it started off with creating successful sporting environment, but I, but I was thinking about it, and that didn't really capture what I was, what I was first thinking of when I when I thought of this question. Uh, yeah, and so I added those two because sure, like a team or an org- organization can be successful for the short term, say a year but it's not sustainable. You know, they have poor management or, you know, bad relationships within the team. And after a year or so, um, it it disintegrates or falls apart. So that's why I added the sustainable there. And then the supportive yeah. as well, because because we want to create a culture that is long-term and that supports athletes, supports coaches, supports the development of both. And I think if, if a culture and an environment and an organization can create a successful, sustainable and supportive culture, then it'll it'll last long term. Um, And I think those three are are really key. And so that's why I just added those three. Just to start off, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, We chatted a lot about your involvement in rugby and different rugby teams. And I was just thinking back to different organizations that I've been involved in, whether that's sports or not. And reflecting on some of the aspects that made them successful or not, and I just wanted to ask you the question from the time in different placements or teams and organizations. What are some things that you've learned or noticed that you either liked or disliked,
1: and and why? Yeah. So I guess the you know I've I've worked in sort of high level um, rugby environments uh, and then some sort of amateur environments as well and also just seeing from the outside I'm some elite environments and i guess like quite recently i only i only changed my mind on this but before i used to constantly think that you know i, I preferred working in the more elite environments it's great fun you know it's you just there's a bit about so you get like little things where everything's more organized you get more sort of kit to work with like technology wise And um, I just felt more excited in that environment, which thought it it would bring my um, sort of A game um, in a sense. Like I was more on it, I guess, to put in a simple term. But um, I just thought that like from doing more reading as well, what I saw is, you know, the coach athlete relationship is so, so important that, I mean, to build a great environment, I think that would be a great place to start off with. Understanding your athletes going you know, working within their needs and abilities, um, and providing them with a with an sort of an environment that fits who they are. Obviously, you can't build it around them, you want to push them a bit as well. But you just got to understand your athlete. And I think that's the most important part that I've learned from doing my reading from being in those different environments. Because before all I wanted was, you know, I want to be in a high end place, because that's, you know, it'll look best on the CV, but it's what you can do within that environment um that's extremely important. So yeah, I think I think the main and a good big talking point is the coach athlete relationship. And uh, I guess in a simple way to define it, it it refers to all situations in which a coach and an athlete's feelings, thoughts and behaviors are interrelated. Um off the dome that was. Jeez. That was straight from the head. That was straight from the head. <laughs> Didn't read that anywhere. Um, just looking Jawa up in the Cockerel, space. 2003. I have to reference them, don't I? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah i think so that the, my first big thing about it would be how to create a successful environment is definitely understanding the athletes you're going to be working with and understanding their sort of needs and abilities and how you can adapt your coaching to best you know sort of allow them to ex- express themselves um because you want to work with them you can't work against them
0: mm-hmm. i love how you said that i i was thinking about this as well and actually read a paper um let me see if i can just pull it up so i get the name the guy's name right Hendrick, hendrickson Hendrickson. Yeah. And it was he, he wrote a book and within this chapter is talking about organizational's influence on developing athletes and how to develop culture to develop athletes and and within that there's he there's a ton of papers that he referenced but a big thing was uh it has to start with the coach and and then the kind of the number one thing I wrote down was coaches need to be willing to learn and to change and the coach can't come in and be like this like my way or the highway Um, yeah the coach needs to be the first point of call to be someone to change and to be able to be self-reflective like oh why am i doing this um yeah and how can i change to make my athlete better so that was really interesting that actually you read some papers and that's what you got out of it as well
1: No, no, I mean, I guess like a good thing, a good way to start this off as well would be just to list, you know, from our previous experiences that we've had within teams, Mm. um, good, like maybe three positive things we've seen and learned from, and then maybe three negatives. You know, so like I could I could start off with just to set the set the base. Um, so I, I thought that was really good that uh, something I thought that was really good that would help create a successful environment is consistency. So not only is it consistency in the term of attendance from um, the players, because obviously if, if you're getting paid, it's easy to keep attending the gym sessions, the training mm. sessions. But say if you're in an amateur sort of uh, setting, You want to have great attendance because you want them to be motivated to come back into the gym. So it's an intrinsic motivational factor instead of extrinsic, which is sort of money. Um, And I thought having consistency within not only the athlete, but yourself will allow them to keep coming back. So if you honestly, obviously you can delve deeper and you want to have different stimuluses. So then it's a bit less consistent, say in the warm up. But in a broader scale, consistency in when you arrive at the gym, we're going to go through a warm up. Then after that, we're going to go do and get into the main bulk of the session. Then we're going to go to uh, do a cool down. And like maybe in the warm up, we're always going to do plyometrics. Uh, when you come into the gym, I want you to fill the well-being form. You know, just have that consistency so they know that okay, the people around me are working hard to make sure that everything's working. You know, behind the closed doors. So consistency would be my first point. And then, sort of another one would be. Uh, being being organized so organized that you are able to adapt to any given situation in any amount of time so say something's changed but you've been on the ball so much that you can adapt to and be like okay you know maybe we don't have the bench press what else can we do okay we can go dumbbell bench we can do a variation of that and adapt the weight to sort of still get that uh, give still have that training stimulus in the gym so that not having that barbell bench is not a Detriment to the to the training. So just being organised is another point. And then finally, justify what you're prescribing. So not only prescribe it and just be like, yeah, I'm doing this because I've seen it work. Be, work with um, athletes I've had before, but also justify. I'm doing this because I want this ad- physiological adaptation to take place next. I want this to come from. I'm looking for this result that will in that will directly influence how they play in a game. You right. know. So just just definitely justifying um, something that you've prescribed and. Uh, yeah, what, what what would be your three positives? Those are unbelievable. Um, The
0: organization consistency that I, th- I yeah. totally agree with. Uh, and I think it just shows, especially when you're saying organization, knowing what you're going to do before you get there, knowing, you know, and then being able, that kind of frees you up to be uh kind of thinking on your feet. Because if you're so bogged down about not even remembering what you're doing, you're looking, you know, through the plan, like, oh, this is what we're doing. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not available. Yeah. And you're like, oh, No. What do we do? You know, I think that just shows just a level of respect for the people that you're coaching. Like if I feel like somebody's, you know, whether it's a manager, anyone above me is like forgetting things that we've talked about or forgetting meetings or not organized when they're talking to me. Like it just shows a level of disrespect. And then I'm not going to be bought into anything that he says because he he doesn't care about me or she. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about me. Um, So why would I give them my respect or my full attention? Uh, The first one for me is a commitment to relationship building. First, Uh, you mentioned that if you want to move anywhere, you need to have relationships with people. They they need to understand, you know, your heart, your passion for whatever you're doing and understand that that at the end of the day that they're, you know, building a relationship will build everything on top of that. That's the foundation. So I think just showing an interest of who's underneath you. Yeah, yeah. An interest of who you're taking care of. Uh, So in this case, athletes in whatever sport, whether it's a team sport or individual. um, So consistency of building that relationship. Uh, Communication would, would be the second one for me. Kind of underneath communication, I would say just like, open communication so not just a one-way street in the paper that i read uh, the same hendrix guy it starts off with him describing how he was he was just watching a training session in tennis and he just noted that after a point so there's like a junior player playing against a more senior player who is much better and after a point if the junior player lost he wouldn't go up to him and be like, this is wrong. Do this, do this, do this. He asked him questions. He went up and said, How, "What what what went well in that point? What yeah. went wrong in that point?" Um, and and ask questions. It just kind of opens the door to open communication. And not only that, but athletes are stimulated to reflect and contribute to problem solving in that training environment. So, which that leads to better autonomy, decision making, and then hopefully performance because. You know, when mm-hmm. they're on the court, you can't, in tennis, you can't actually talk to your coach, but even if you could, uh, you have that autonomy and you've built that, uh, confidence to make decisions and know what's going on and self-reflect already.
1: And then I, I think so, uh, one point you made about, um, understanding the athlete, there's a, there's a famous quote that I think many people have heard by Warren Buffett. And it says it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. So, as you said, like if you, if an athlete walks into the gym and say for the whole I mean, what, say you've, you're trying to build sort of, you're trying to imply, what's the word, implement mm. um, your own values and beliefs in the gym. You're trying to implement sort of organization in the gym and you do that really well. But say two times or one time you you slip up and they ask you, oh, why are you doing this? And you don't have the answer to it. Then a little of that, little bit of that reputation you've built does fall away. Mm. So it's just consistency, organization. And as you said, you just got to understand your athletes as well. Mm.
0: Mm. There's a, there's another part of this paper that I wanted to chat about, and I just mentioned it. Um, oh yeah, not being so worried about the outcome. Like this tennis, this tennis coach, the psychologist who wrote this paper, um, noted he he never mentioned whether he won the point or lost the point, and he didn't change how he interacted with the athlete whether he lost or won. Like if he won, he didn't go up super excited. If you lost, he didn't go up. You're like, oh, like super down. Yeah. Both times, it was like, what can we learn from that point? And talk to me about that. And so I was thinking that as well, whether it's in an SNC environment or, or like a performance physiology environment, how often do I change how I react to a situation depending on the performance of the athlete? And it's so yeah. easy to do, you know? And, and sometimes I think it's warranted, like if someone gets a PB or something. But I think... <clears throat> Day in and day out, if we show an athlete in a training environment that the result is more important than the effort they put in, yeah, I I think that lead, that sets them up for failure because there's gonna be days where they put in a hundred percent effort, hundred twenty percent effort, and that's what we want from athletes, right? But they're not gonna get the result that maybe they wanted or we're looking for who knows why, maybe they're not feeling great, maybe they're sick, maybe they're having a lot on their mind, whatever it is. And in that moment, if we're not as supportive of them in that situation, then when they gave the same amount of effort and the result was the same due to whatever reason, or the result was bettered due to whatever reason, I think it sets them up for this disappointment of it were all results driven. When of course we need to be, At the end of the day, but if they're giving a hundred percent effort, that's what I'm looking for because that's what's going to make them better in the long run.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, while while you were talking, I mean, you do you do a good a quick Google Scholar search or a quick Google search, and you will find tons of papers, tons of opinions on why winning is probably not ultimately the best thing. Why athletes should focus on improving instead of winning? Because if you constantly compare yourself to athletes, maybe you're the best in um maybe the best maybe you're the best uh, in in 50 meter freestyle in in the uk and you're constantly comparing yourself to athletes that are say not on your level maybe you're too good for them and you're constantly thinking about oh i'm winning i'm winning so your mind's too you, you you're so focused on winning that you lose sort of track on improving your times because you think oh i'm still winning and you get too complacent then one I mean, obviously your self esteems high, but then once you get to the next comp- level of uh, competition and then you start losing, then, I mean, you've gone from, you know, a big massive high and then you drop all the way down to the lows. And I just think, yeah, you don't want to create an environment that's so focused on winning that, as you said, when they get a new, when they win a point or when you get a new personal best time that, you know, you obviously want to celebrate, but if you make it too big of a thing, does that actually cause a detriment to that, whoever you're, you know, mm. to the athlete or the person that you're training? Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a massive, um, determinant of, of what we're trying to talk about today. Uh, And it can heavily influence, you know, create, being able to create that successful environment. Mm. Um,
0: It's crazy. I think sometimes we just forget of how much influence we have, not only on athletes, but on everyone around us, whether that's in an athlete setting or not, Uh, but especially as coaches and, and. For me, I think in what my role would hopefully be after a PhD, I think I would have moments of having that one-on-one contact with an athlete, but it wouldn't be as much as an S and C coach that would maybe see them, you know, two three times a week, and then a another yeah. like training coach would see them, you know, maybe daily, depending on the sport. Uh, but I, I think we forget the the impact that we can have. And another another thing that I found really interesting uh, about this paper is he talked
1: about So while whilst you're busy finding that, I'd just like to build upon that point. Oh yeah, I think it is. um, It is yeah, I'll I'll let you find it. Um, But I think it is extremely important and vital that coaches of any part of the interdisciplinary team um, are wary of the athlete. You need to be aware of the athlete and understand that your role does exceed just planning and delivering sessions or just like helping athletes recover. You, you know, it's not just, OK, I'll just plan this session and deliver that session and that's it. There's so much more to the job than just that. It's understanding what environment you want to um, sort of create. If there's not an environment already there, you want to leave sort of also leave your mark, but leave, leave a place where someone sort of can pick up and also build up, build up on and instill their own beliefs and values. And just understand that at the centre of every part of the interdisciplinary team is the athlete. So though you are playing your part, you also want to Mm. make the athlete, you know. Mm. Athlete needs to
0: come first, don't they? And that leads into what what I actually found in this book. He talked about espoused values and enacted values. Espoused being basically what you say and enacted what you do. And he said a huge downfall of organizations is when those don't marry up and when those don't match up there's there's a couple of of papers that came out on this that this that this researcher did and um one was the Danish National 49ers sailing team and the coaches expected athletes to take responsibility for their development that was the espoused value that was what they said and to line up with that they always welcomed elite team they always welcomed the junior athletes to the t- elite team meetings but they weren't ever forced and often they weren't even told when they were. And it was on the athlete's responsibility to ask and take initiative to go to those meetings. And that was kind of the enacted. Like they said, you need to take responsibility for your growth. And because of that, you're always welcome in those meetings, but you need to take the initiative and show the initiative to, mm. to find out when those meetings are and to come to them. And, and one of the athletes was interviewed and he said, you know, no one holds your hand you need to kick in the door and that's how it should be. And so he had yeah, a positive yeah. response. He took that responsibility for his own improvement. Uh, another one was um, the Norwegian handball club. And the culture was characterized by consistent learning and focus for the young athletes. No consistent learning focused on the young athletes. So that was, and athletes were encouraged to learn by taking chances. So that was their announced values espoused values. Sorry, what they said. Yeah. Um, and the coach would always say, if you haven't made enough mistakes today, you haven't done enough. So basically take chances. It's okay if you get it wrong. That's what we're here for. That's what learning mm. is. And And they really wanted to drive that home for the young athletes. And so during matches, the coach would often leave young players on the field, even if they were down, even if they made a mistake or two, even if it was towards the end of the game and gave them a chance to learn under pressure and give them the chance to make mistakes. And that was kind of the enacted values. And that's how they lined up. You know, most coaches would say, yeah, make mistakes. It's fine. But then they would take them off as soon as they made a mistake. Or, you know, if the team was down towards the end of the game, even in a game that didn't really mean that much, they would leave the players out there. And in the short term, uh, the, the result might not be in your favor. But in the long term, you get that development for the younger players. And they see that what you say you value and your priority is, is actually what you do and and this guy said this researcher said that that is more important than that one game that you might lose Yeah. Or that one poor result. Um so I think I found that really interesting and and there was there was one other team that they talked about um a, a golf team and the coaches said always talked about the importance of eating healthy, warming up, training in a structured manner, showing up on time, but the coaches showed up often eating pizza. Uh, They trained without warming up. They arrived late to training and the, and the athlete development in that situation was stunted and and they didn't do well or, and there wasn't that growth that you saw in the other environments. So that was really interesting. And so that, Uh, that led me to a question of what do we do when we're in an environment that that's not the case?
1: To be fair, I was, I was going to bring up that question as well um, about the earlier point when you mentioned the Danish team. Um, it's like once once that environment's already set in place, it's easy to keep that consistency. Mm. But the difficult part, I guess, would be another part to this podcast is how do you get to that stage? And yeah. we can delve into that in, in maybe a different part. Um you know, I guess this one's just this part of the, this, uh, this podcast is um, sort of just an overview of this topic because it is a massive topic. So I guess another part of this podcast would be how to, you know, what best methods we'd explore the best methods of trying to build an environment like that, mm. like the Danish team. But
0: but what do you do? And I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, what do you do when you're in a position where you aren't at the top? You know, maybe you're a junior SNC coach. Or even just like a senior SNC coach on the SNC team and that culture isn't there. Yeah. Um I, what's your responsibility in that?
1: Yeah, I I was gonna bring up this point um at the end of the podcast and I'll probably delve a bit a little bit deeper into it when it towards the end of it. But um yeah. You just got to reflect, understand your, the, the situation you're in, understand if, if you agree with it and if you don't agree with it, and then therefore just take that little step further to say, okay, why don't I agree with it? Hmm. And then finally, could I change it? Just those three steps, not, not following a model, just not anything else, but just those little three steps. Um, cause then say you're a junior SNC and there's an, an environment that's already there that you don't agree with. Maybe they're focused too much on winning. It's you know it's 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 such a difficult i don't think there is a best way to deal with that because you want to obviously show your worth and maybe say to the snc coach or, or or the head coach maybe we could do this maybe we could do that i'd say the best way to do it is just question him why why it's like that in, in in a very polite way you could just question him and then if he doesn't know then you could be like oh okay you know and maybe hopefully that spurs him to then reflect on himself you know mm. or her, herself um see so i guess i guess that's the the best way you could do it just by questioning someone else instead of just trying to push your values and your beliefs straightforward maybe understand why they're doing it that way mm. so just understand things from their perspective and their build from that and understanding mm. look you're the junior snc at the end of the day you're not the head snc so don't you know don't get too big for your boots and start changing thinking you can change things immediately right you know, you sort of want to take things slow. It's not going to, it's, this is never going to be a quick thing that you can change. It's going to be something that you have to keep building on from season maybe to season. You know, mm. I really like
0: how you said, understand, take a step back and understand why they do things. And I think that can go, that can, that can be said for so many situations. I think so many people react when they see something or hear something and they say, no, that's wrong that's bad. It should be done like this. And I love how you brought up the, the fact that understand, ask questions, get curious yeah. of why are they doing it this way. And that'll show a level of maturity, I think that a lot of people don't have. And just help understand, helping to understand people. And that goes back to even just building relationships, right? If somebody is, if you're asking questions, oh, why do this? Why do that? You're automatically building relationships in, in a manner that's healthy because you're asking questions and you have passion for that. Um, I also really liked how you said, what can I do about it? And just taking ownership about well, what can you do? What's, you know, what's your responsibility in all of it, no matter how small it is. And I think so many people as well, especially if they're not at the top, and I've probably done this as well, is we just say, well, it's not my, it's not my thing. Like, I'm too low. I'm just a junior SNC. I'm just a junior physiologist. I can't do anything about it. It's just the way it is. And as much as that's the case, I love how you brought up of taking it one bit further of, well, what can I do about it? What's my place in it? And what could I change? And I think it goes, one thing that I would say is, you know, you can't control other people's actions. You can't control other what other people say to you or how other people respond. You can't control how your management, the people above you, you know, communicate or talk to you, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's just the way life is. <laughs> yeah. But but you have 100% control of how you talk to the people and how you communicate to the people below you and above yeah. you. And, and so it's just like kind of saying, well, you know what, the people above me might not communicate well, but I'm going to communicate well, because that's something that I can take ownership of and that's something that I can change. Then mix that into trying to understand and ask questions and get curious about why things are the way they are and building relationships. I think that's a great place to start if you're finding yourself in a place where, you know, maybe there isn't that
1: ideal culture. What do you think about those beans? I, I mean, I mean, you, you perfectly encompassed it right there. I guess, yeah, qu- questioning and then also just understanding things from other people's perspective. Um, and then I guess from going to, mentioning at the start the positive aspects of it, uh positive things that we've seen from our experiences, I guess quickly just going on to some negative things, just to shed, shed some light on some of the negative things that we've seen. And I guess it's just this might actually be, the opposite of some of the things I've said, like just being being messy. Say you walk into a gym, or say you walk into the exercise physiology lab. You know, you say you're walking into a lab, and there's, I don't know, I don't go into labs that much, but um, say <laughs> there's just like tubes lying around, or, or packets that haven't been thrown away. You know, just little things like that can make the athlete. Because say I don't know, put you, let's put ourselves in the perspective of an athlete. You're walking in. Maybe it's a uh, national two league, or or maybe it's. Um, at university not the first team you're walking in you're feeling good you're like you know I've had a great game on Wednesday I want to or or Saturday I want to just get in to do my recovery do some testing and you know I I feel like I'm going somewhere and you walk in and then the lab's a mess or the gym's a mess you know it's instantly going to dampen your mood you're going to you know, lose a bit of love for it. And, and I guess that shows, you know, them not being prepared or, mm. or just leaving in the place with, there's no consistency in that place. And then from there, that will directly influence how the athlete feels. Mm. And I mean, I'm not sure what uh, other t- other negatives um, that you can think of, or, or that you have yourself experienced.
0: Yeah. I think, um, a, a big one that I've experienced is just not not being consistent with building relationships and understanding each other, just not asking questions. That's kind of the opposite of what you were saying about get curious, understand why things are the way they are, you know, build relationships. Uh, That's the biggest one that I've experienced in the time that I've Mm. been in, in different sporting and organizations and environments especially between the coaches and the sports scientists there's poor yeah. or no relationship and that's a whole nother topic Of it, why, is, it literally is you know like there's yeah and you know the coach is is proud to you know be the coach of this athlete and sometimes maybe think they know everything and don't understand the sports scientists and what they can involve and how they can bring impact and positivity to that athlete and to the performance at the end of the day. And the sports scientists I find sometimes maybe aren't, don't know how to communicate well to coaches because sports scientists are usually very academic and and maybe they don't have great communication skills with the coach. And so, and so the coach feels like the scientist just wants to take over and the scientist feels like the coach doesn't care and so they're, such a and, weird and they just like bang heads and then and then yeah they
1: don't like each other but there's never I, been a conversation that's the thing i was just about to say like it's so it's such a weird scenario that you never think would happen because both of everyone's goals align you know yeah. everyone's down like everyone's main goal is for the athlete to peak at their performance peak at their level and i just find it Ridiculous that people can clash heads, obviously egos get in the way, but just in general, like it's not a very rare thing where you know it's just the ego. It's a common thing across um I haven't worked in many environments, but I've heard anecdotally from different practitioners that it is a very common thing,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's difficult. I think I don't know if there's ever a place that gets it perfect, but I think as long as you have the communication channels open and you're willing to have those conversations and understand each other like you said and get curious. Um, mm. I think you can even if at the end of the day you don't agree 100% if you get curious and go in and ask meaningfully why do you do things like this? Yeah. Like what? Because I want to learn. It can only bring positive I think.
1: I was literally this might take your answer away but for question of the week I thought I could Um, I, I managed to get a question that would nice. be a, a quite generic question but I thought it would be a good way to just sort of close things off in a way yeah. um it would be so out of everything we've spoken about and everything we've read and all of uh, after all of our experiences what is the vital I know there's many things that will create mm. a successful environment but what do you think is the most vital um sort of vital determinant or factor for creating this um environment and I'll I'm maybe taking yours Ash, I'll let you. No, no, I'll let go, you say yours. I'll let you Now, I was easy, I was going to say, but for, for coaches and practitioners to have that never-ending desire to learn and question things, I think I think that's so detrimental. No matter what, how many how much experience you have you have to be never, you just have to be questioning everything. Mm. So then even questioning yourself, not only the environment or the other coaches questioning yourself, most Mm. importantly, to understand that, okay, this is what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? Okay, that's why I'm doing this. And then you can relay it back to the athletes if you do get questions, Mm. you know, if you do get questioned. And I think an amazing video I watched on this, um, which was my dad showed me, but um, it's called uh, the art of asking the right questions by the big think on YouTube. Okay. And it literally, it's, a, it's just a quick 10 minute video that shows how important questioning is. Wait, and what, how, what was it again? The art of asking the right questions by Tim Ferriss, Warren, Burger or burger, hope Jaron and more, but it's by the big think. Okay. So just put the art of asking the right questions by the big think. Okay, it it just highlights the importance of how questioning is so vital for everyone involved hmm. in that conversation. Hmm. I so love hopefully that. I didn't take yours. No,
0: that's actually not what I was going to say, but that's a oh, way awesome, better awesome. question. I mean, <laughs> answer because you're absolutely right. Like self reflection, never stop learning. Yeah. As soon as you stop learning, you get stuck in your ways, don't you?
1: get too complacent and you but never yeah, I, I understand why that do i do the ways why <laughs> do i do the things the way that i do yeah no i, I developed that point from everything that we spoke about and some of the things you brought up on that's um, an, that's an athletes.
0: unbelievable answer i would absolutely agree i was going to say if i had to choose one i would say communication out of open communication that that breeds relationships that breeds at least understanding or respect for the athlete, for other practitioners, even if you don't a hundred percent agree,
1: I mean, yeah, communicator. Com- oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Communication skills are so so important. I mean, it's not only the obviously you know being able to write an email to the coach, but it's how you conduct yourself when you're speaking to other people and it will minimize the risk of if you can say communicate effectively with asking the right questions with not see getting your ego in the way or, or your own beliefs and morals and values mm. if you if you can communicate effectively and can, can conduct yourself properly then it will minimize the risk of heads clashing you know um sort of beliefs clashing mm. and it will just Ultimately, the, the, the person that's most affected by when you're when the coaches clash is the athlete, which is the last thing you want to do. Wow. Yeah, un- unbelievable. And honestly, what I would love to do is
0: come back to this topic. I don't know, six months from now, a year from a now. little time down. The t- and if yeah. we if we say the big two things that we're taking away from this is, is never stop learning, never stop asking questions whether that's to yourself or to others or just learning in general and never stop communicating. If we take those two points away and really, and see how we can implement them into whatever job we have, whatever role we have, I'd be so curious to see what comes out of that and have a chat maybe, you know, six months from now or or a year from now and how has that changed? Um, and, and what doors has that opened? And what's, and what does the culture that we're in look like? Yeah. I mean, if, if the people watching listen, le- watching, if the people listening to this, I mean, let us know, let us know what 100%. you think. Were we right? Were we wrong? Is there something else? Have you had an experience either, either positive or negative? What made it positive or negative? Uh, yeah. we, we really hope that, you know, you've learned something, maybe you've, You've heard something that you knew before, but it was just a bit of a reminder. Oh, that is a good idea. Um, or maybe we've changed what you thought completely. Who knows? But but I know I learned so much just from talking yeah. now, from oh, reading, 100%, yeah. from hearing what you had to Doing think about it. Doing that extra bit of research, I think really, really, really cool. And I yeah. really want to take those two points, cool. <laughs> nah, <that's... laughs> and, and really see that was... how
1: I can implement those in my own job. Yeah, no, massively. It, it was an ex- it was a really interesting conversation. Um and yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it and you know, I mean I, I I learned even more just from doing a little bit of extra reading at the end of the day. Yeah. Um so yeah, massive. Massive. And if you do want to email us, just check the description on this this specific episode and um, we'll have the email just in the description area. Uh, Absolutely. this, this, this description. Struggling, struggling. So much talking. Um but yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. Once again, I had a great time on it.
0: We on enjoy show. it. I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, let us know. Tell your friends about it. Share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, whatever yeah. social media platforms you're on. Get the word out. <laughs> let us know if we suck. And, yeah,
1: just be honest. Andy. And then We're we'll see what we crucisms. do about
0: that. <laughs> we'll cry or yeah. sleep in there, maybe. <laughs> that was that was unbelievable great shot matt thank you for putting in the work for that thank you for you know bringing Ah. bringing your mind and your ideas and your uh experiences to the podcast i really
1: appreciate it it was amazing thank you as well do you want to take us out i will i will this has been the rss podcast we're out (laughs)